This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. All right, my name is Scotty Young, and you are listening to the podcast that has far too many words in its title to be useful. <laughs> With Joe and Matt, there we two go. nerdheads. <laughs> sort of, sort of break it, break it down like good. Welcome to episode 67 of THN. We are talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, May 16th, and we are reading your tweet. We've only got one right now, because apparently you jerks got lazy while we do it. But don't forget to tweet us at Two Headed Nerd on the Twitter. My name is Matt Baum, and when I'm not cooking the books ahead of the Two Headed Nerd IPO going public next week, <laughs> I'm writing them out and appraising comics for WorthPoint.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Patrick had a bad day today. He didn't do very well on the test, so I brought him a shot of fruity Lithuanian liquor that he's going to shoot right now live on the air. Go! Feel like a man now, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Joe Patrick. <laughs> Don't say I never did nothing for you. And I'm Joe Patrick, artisan co-creator of Good Plus Online. And when I'm not misspelling my name on my marriage license, thanks to subconscious sabotage carried out by my co-host in an attempt to keep me single, I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. I sit on his chest like cat's eye style, like that little troll with the weird knife on Drew Barrymore. This week, you'll be hearing reviews of Conan the Barbarian number four. Oh my god! And Dancer number one. After that, we'll review ten comics so fast Indy 500 fans will say it was too hard to follow, and then make fun of us for being nerds during ludicrous speed round. And then I think I'm gonna we'll die. pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to discuss the future of next week's comics. And finally. They don't take static, they pack an automatic, and they know that too much of anything will make you an addict, especially comic books. That's right, the comic pushers are back to force some highly addictive reads straight up in your sh- But before we get to all that backpedaling and apologizing, let's take a minute to remember the classy, sexy disco queen that was Donna Summer. And then, we'll talk about this week's big news. She was hot. Wow. Talk about hot stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Consider this your Avengers spoiler warning. Skip ahead if you're one of the three people on the planet that hasn't seen the movie. Last, and, and Stop asking me if it's any good. Yeah, God, I'm come sick on. of this. <laughs> in last week's Avengers Assemble number 3 Marvel's in-continuity movie tie-in comic, Thanos made his triumphant return to the Marvel Universe. The Mad Titan was revealed as the true source of the Avengers' woes and the power behind the new Zodiac organization. Hot on the heels of that revelation, Marvel announced that Star-Lord and the Guardians of the Galaxy will be returning in the pages of Avengers Assemble number 6. In the Guardians' last appearance, Star-Lord and Nova stayed behind in the collapsing Cancerverse to save humanity and all of existence from Thanos' wrath. It was awesome. Now exactly how these characters made their way back to the land of the living will hopefully be explained. Matt! I could not be more excited to see the Guardians return. What do you think? I'm cautiously optimistic, and here's why. The Guardians that I love, all those storylines, they all came out of the Annihilation stuff that was done by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, and it was wonderful. The Marvel Cosmic stuff had never been better than that. Can Brian Michael Bendis reinvent the magic? Holy God! <laughs> Maybe you should stop drinking. This is the, like, the most syrupy, sweet like garbage out there, too. Is that it? Come on. You'd think I handed the boy rye whiskey. Can Mike, Brian Michael Bendis recreate that? Can he catch lightning in a bottle again? I don't know if he's the right guy for this job. I don't know either, but I am excited to see the characters come back. I hope they come back and they're great. Yeah, I'd love to have them back. But, yeah, I know what you mean. I think at this point, I'm willing to give Bendis a chance on a new book because we've been reading the same thing for so long. Yeah. That this might just be what he needs to kind of recharge his batteries. And I love, I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. Just, I'm very excited, though, 
Yeah, cautiously optimistic, I think, is is the right way to approach it. In other Marvel news, two of the five properties Marvel has had in active development for television have been passed on by their prospective networks. Earlier this week, ABC passed on AKA Jessica Jones, a TV version of Brian Michael Bendis' Alias series, and Fox passed on the completely misguided Punisher series, which would have cast Frank Castle as a police detective, moonlighting as a vigilante. How do you get that wrong? Seriously. <laughs> I don't know. Still in development, however, are the proposed Mockingbird and Cloak and Dagger series, as well as the Incredible Hulk revival from Guillermo del Toro and Battlestar Galactica's David Eek. Ike. Sure. Ike. Ike. Yeah. Joe. Does this spell trouble for Marvel's TV division? No, I don't think so. I mean, if you look back at those announcements, they threw like a ton of stuff out into development to see what would stick. We were bound to see a couple of those fail. I am a little sad that we're not going to see a Jessica Jones show uh, because it was supposed to have like Luke Cage in it and Carol Danvers. That's just the kind of thing that I don't think they could pull off on regular network TV. If they were doing it on like an FX or an AMC, they could get a little grittier with it and that's where that would need to be. I don't want to see like kind of lighthearted Jessica Jones. Like she's also a superhero. Well, I mean, FX (laughs) is owned by Fox. And I get that. But, I mean, I would rather it be there. Yeah. But I am so glad that the Punisher thing is not going Oh, forward. yeah. That's just terrible. It, that is it just, just inexcusable. Right out of the gate, it sounded like a really bad idea. Now, I the idea of the Incredible Hulk coming back but from Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, especially in light of the Avengers movie, that's got me kind of interested. I don't know if you can pull it off without Mark Ruffalo. Now that Mark Ruffalo is the face of the Incredible Hulk in one of the most commercially successful movies of all time, Mm. I don't know if you can pull it off with a different actor as Bruce Banner. It's true. It's true. We'll see, I suppose. Finally, DC Comics has decided to discontinue their mail order subscriptions on a number of their new 52 books, citing insufficient interest in the service. Subscription contracts for Animal Man, Superboy, Red Hood, Swamp Thing, Justice League Dark... Batwoman, Green Lantern, New Guardians, Red Lanterns, Legion of Superheroes, Birds of Prey, Blue Beetle, Savage Hawkman, and Justice League International have all been canceled as of their 10th issues. Customers that still had time left on those subscriptions will have their remaining orders transferred to a different series chosen by DC unless they speak up and make a specific request. It just makes perfect sense. (laughs) For example... JLI readers will have the remainder of their subscriptions filled with issues of Superman, which, you know, Dan Jurgens is on both books. That uh, makes at least a little bit of sense. I suppose. But Justice League Dark readers will receive, of all things, Batman the Dark Knight. <laughs> they both have dark in the title. Right. I mean, what, what else do you need? Based on your interest in dark, we have chosen <laughs> Batman the Dark this Knight. This is like as bad as Netflix suggests for you. <laughs> yeah. Now, DC co-publisher Dan DiDio has stated, quote, Unfortunately, we are canceling certain subscriptions that do not get enough mail orders to justify the subscription service. A best-selling book does not always translate to a high-selling subscription, and there is very little relation between the two. However, Bleeding Cool is reporting that Justice League International, one of the discontinued subscriptions, has been canceled altogether, completely under the radar. Matt... What do you make of all this? Are subscriptions truly separate from sales, or is there reason to worry about some of these titles? Okay, I went through and I looked at the sales numbers on each of these titles, where they ended up on the top 300 sales rank for last month. All of these titles mentioned here are seeing a dip in sales. 
That said, they're all over the board. I mean, the the highest selling one, Green Lantern New Guardians, which is sitting at 28, just inside the top 30, which is not a poorly selling book. Green Lantern New Guardians sells more than Swamp Thing? Yeah, buddy. Swamp Thing's at number 40. Oof. The lowest selling one, Blue Beetle, which I believe is canceled already, at number 134. So... I mean, all of these titles are losing readers, but they're not necessarily all in desperate areas. The Red Hood is at number 55. That's pretty good for a book starring three minor league characters. Batwoman is number 32. That's got to be great sales for them. Even Superboy, which is at number 75, is still selling almost 30,000 issues a month. So I don't think this is sales related. I think it's probably more part of DC completely phasing out their mail order subscriptions. But where was Justice League International? Justice League International was number 67. Again, not a terrible number, but it is losing readers Enough every- to get it canceled. It is losing readers every month. If the book is canceled, that shocks me when you've got other books, like I said, like Legion of Superheroes, which is number 99. Legion Lost, which is like one, like number 110. I mean, there's books that are in way worse shape well, they that might are not be- being canceled and that weren't at the level of the books that they just canceled. Well, they might be looking at Justice League International as something that loses readers. It's it's got a downward trend, and it's also very similar to other books in the line. Like there are more than one Justice League book, and this is true. My point is, I don't think that this mail order information ties directly into sales, nor does it translate directly to books that are in trouble of getting canceled. If Justice League International is getting canceled, who knows why? Yeah, because there's been all manner of creator BS going on at DC too. So. Maybe somebody lost their job and we don't know it yet. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. I cannot believe how stupid on the part of DC this is. Rather than saying, hey, reader, sorry, we're not going to ship you your title anymore. What choice of book would you like to switch to? Just go, here's Superman. Shut up, kid. Well, they, I mean, <laughs> it's just completely insane. Readers do have an opportunity to speak up, but, but if they don't. They're making the choice for them. It's, it's just true. dumb. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page and be sure to let us know what podcast you would like to start receiving because due to lack of interest, we're going to be switching this bandwidth with your choice of the Sex Knitting Cast, which I believe is a, a knitting and quilting podcast, and the My IBS Story podcast. Are those real podcasts? No, I made both of them. Oh, I wish! <laughs> Joe Patrick, before these shenanigans carry on, why don't you read us a tweet? Our one and only tweet, at least so far, you lazy bastard, comes from superfan Aaron Myers who asks, What can we as fans do to promote great comics work? How can we shape the industry into making the stuff we love more? Or perhaps making more of the stuff we love. Making more of the stuff we love. That's an excellent question, and... More so than I think any business on the planet, any entertainment medium, it comes down to a literally grassroots movement of people shoving comic books in people's hands, of of getting out there and screaming, start a podcast. That's what Joe and I did. Each week we get on here and we literally force comics down your throat. And 
And you thank us for it. And you thank us, you idiots. That's the only way to do it. It's word of mouth. Go to your shop, buy your comics, turn to the guy next to you, look what he's reading and say, hey, you should check this out. This is a great book. If your comic book store is not suggesting stuff for you, if they're not getting up and walking over and saying, hey, I know you like this book. You should check this out. I know that you've been uh, reading Justice League International. Have you tried Superman? (laughs) For example, go if they're not doing that, Go to a different comic shop that is because they're not doing their job. You need to be putting this stuff in people's hands. Scream about this stuff. Tweet about it. Yell at the creators. Start a blog. Start a blog. Get it out there. This is a grassroots movement, and they need your help. As much as I respect individual readers' right to never leave the house and buy their comics digitally with a click of their finger on their iPad screen... There's nothing really quite like actually going to your shop and interacting with your other fans or, you know, start a reading club or any of those things, you know. It's all about word of mouth. Keep in mind that most people don't even know that comic books still exist. I talk to people every day. They go, hey, that Avengers movie was really good. You collect those old comics, right? And then I say, well, Avengers comics are still coming out. And they go, really? Like, no idea they're even out there. Or they're certain that comics are... They surely for children. Just for children. Right. So yeah, get out there and spread the word. It's review time again where each week Matt and I hold up two brand newborn comics and spank their butts to welcome them to the world. Matt, what did you read this week? This week, I read Conan the Barbarian number four from Dark Horse, written by Brian Wood, with art by James Heron. This is part one of the Argos Deception, the second storyline in Brian Wood's Conan series. Conan has joined the crew of the Tigress and fallen in love with Belite, the Pirate Queen. Life is good for young Conan, but about to get dangerous as he plans to hand himself over to the Masantian authorities, I think it's Masantian, Masantian, for trial while his shipmates and Belit rob the port city blind. What could go wrong, huh? It's a living! There aren't many writers out there that can pull off a character study as well as Brian Wood, and when I heard he was going to be writing Conan, I was excited, but I was really curious to see how a writer like Wood deals with a character with as much baggage as Conan the Barbarian. I've been reading Conan for a really long time, and I love Conan comics, I love Conan stories, but everybody that's not Robert E. Howard that's been doing them tends to fall in this pattern of basically doing a Robert E. Howard impersonation, where everything reads like, it was a time of high adventure, you know? I mean, like, you can hear Mako's voice in the background narrating Conan's life. Conan is very soft-spoken at best. And then when he does raise his voice, he maybe yells one or two words and murders somebody. Brian Wood is very much paying attention to what Howard fans love about Conan, but definitely not doing an impersonation here. What he's giving readers with this new storyline is a good old-fashioned heist meets a love story, which I did not see coming. (laughs) I read a lot of Conan stories, and I've seen him bag a bunch of broads in the past. I don't think I've ever seen Conan fall in love like hopelessly so this is conan at his happiest he's slapping his pirate shipmates on the back and falling asleep in the arms of the woman he loves it's sweet and i don't think i've ever described a a conan story as being sweet in nature it's kind of nice when we do get to the heist plan part of the story we really see how deeply conan has fallen for belit the pirate queen after he's thrown in a dungeon and his whole idea was 
you guys will carry me in. We'll say Belit is dead. You will say you're returning me as a prisoner. And while they're hosting this big public trial, because as we saw in the first storyline, Conan like attacked a courtroom, killed a judge, ran out of town, jumped on a ship, and sailed away, basically. <laughs> while they're having this big public trial, you guys are going to just fleece the whole city and steal everything, and then you come rescue me. The trial will take like a week or so, because there'll be all this pomp and circumstance. Doesn't go down like that. Ends up, they go, you're under arrest. You're guilty. We're going to kill you in the morning. And Conan, not necessarily freaking out about his life, is more upset that he might not ever see the woman that he loves again. This is a fantastic character story of young Conan and showing us how much, how deeply he is in this relationship with this char- this Baylite character just by showing him rotting in a dungeon sad. I don't think I've ever seen Conan depressed either. And it totally works. Brian Wood is just nailing it here. James Heron takes over the art duties on this new storyline and he is amazing. He, The first three or four pages of Conan working on the ship while he's at sea just instantly pulled me in. Heron has also worked on BPRD. He did some uh, a couple Abe Sapien miniseries and he's been good. I really like him. He has a style similar to Becky Cloonan's but a little edgier with like a little messier as well. Almost like a Paul Pope type influence. His Each one of his faces are completely unique and completely human. His backgrounds are full but they're not jammed up. He knows when to draw and he knows when to let the space do the work too. The The first page is just the Tigris, the ship sailing in the ocean and it's down in the corner of the panel and it's just perfect. Just setting up this wide open sea, the pirates at work. You know, I mean, he is wonderful here. He kind of draws Belit like Whitney from that terrible NBC comedy, <laughs> but she's beautiful and not in a typical busty like comic fantasy female style she looks human she looks like a very artistically realized female character she has hips she has small breasts she's very pale skin she's beautiful and you can see why conan loves her this is a near perfect issue on, in my opinion. And this series has been so good. I was afraid. I like James Heron. Like I said, I was afraid when they switched from Clunan to Heron, they might lose a little bit of what they had, the speed that they had going. In the first Conan storyline, this didn't skip a beat. This is excellent. I highly recommend picking this up. Buy it. I abstain. I'm behind on Conan. I'm sorry. Shame on you. Shame on you. Joe Patrick, what did you read this week? <laughs> uh, I read Dancer Number 1, written by Nathan Edmondson. My good friend and co-host Matt Baum did not bother to plug the review I sent him into the script. I didn't? No. I didn't. So but... I'm reading this off of my iPhone. Do you want me to plug it in real quick? Technology. The art, colors, and design on this one are by Nick Klein, who was the artist on Viking. Which was Awesome. It was an oversized, uh, like, four-issue miniseries. Yeah. So good. Here's your solicit. Retired assassin Alan Fisher and his ballerina companion must escape a ruthless sniper who stalks them through the streets of Milan. To survive and protect the love of his life, Alan will unravel the tapestry of the past he's kept hidden and discover the killer's impossible identity. I'm always excited to see a new book from Nate Edmondson. Uh, Matt and I both loved Who is Jake Ellis. Named it our best miniseries of 2010, Yeah, I believe. And I am really enjoying uh, The Activity right now, which is another kind of black ops spy book from Image. I never read Viking, so I'm not 
familiar with Nick Klein's work, but I really enjoyed his art in this issue. This was definitely different. Was it? Definitely different, but also great. Yeah, I mean, his storytelling is amazing. It's very cinematic. Like, I loved the transition from the opening scene to the introduction of Quinn, the ballerina, with the blood pooling in the water, kind of flowing into the shape of the ballerina slippers in the next panel. It's just really, really well... It's this, well storyboarded, yeah, for lack of a better word. It looks like a Hollywood storyboard. Uh, Klein does a great job setting the scene. His backgrounds are full of detailed Italian architecture. Nothing about the setting feels generic. Edmondson's story is interesting and well-paced. Uh, and through the character's dialogue, we get a good sense of their personalities. It's not the most densely scripted book. He does a good job letting the art speak for itself. There are many panels where they're silent and it's just Alan staking out his former apartment, you know, trying to find where the sniper shots are coming from. It, the art and the script work together beautifully to create kind of a, a real sense of panic as Alan and Quinn are on the run. Well, and just like who is Jake Ellis that Edmondson also wrote, there's a lot of space here. He's He allows his artist to have the yes. space he needs yes. to also tell the story. And it takes a really talented artist to do that. And Klein nails it. Here. Yes, yes. Now, there's a twist at the end I won't spoil, but it has me hooked. Yeah. Uh, suffice it to say, this may not be the straightforward spy story I thought I was getting. No, there's a really fun kind of Twilight Zone yeah. thing that happens. Now, I do have one complaint. Uh, the story hits a perfect cliffhanger ending, but then it goes on for an extra page before ad- ending again very abruptly. If it had ended with the twist, it would have been perfect. Instead, the last page feels unnecessary, and it's kind of jarring. Uh, but I loved this issue, and I am really eager for more. I'm giving Dancer Number 1 a buy it. I'm giving it a buy it, too. I think Edmondson is really coming up, and he writes really intelligent thriller stuff. This looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Unfortunately, it also seems like it might be one of those stories that just reads better in trade paperback format. Maybe, but I mean, I I was totally on board with the cliffhanger. And then there was just that one extra beat, and I was like, uh. It's like the end of Lord of the Rings, the movie. <laughs> right. Uh, Return of the King, the movie, where the uh, movie ends three times. <laughs> like, we get it already, but uh, other than that, it, it was a great read. As always, we want to know what you barbarians and ballerinas think of these books, so... Hit us up on our Facebook page and let us know how beautiful and brawny our reviews were. Once again, our master hungers, and so once again, Matt and I must take to our cosmic surfboard made for two and streak through the universe at speeds that defy the physics of mere mortals in search of a world to satiate the hunger of Galactus. Though it is a terrible responsibility, it is also a necessary one, and our duty will be done while reviewing ten comics and a ludicrous speed round. Ludicrous speed! Go! Invincible Iron Man, number 517. Mad Fractions, Iron Man is the best Iron Man ever written. I said it. Well, I get tired of Salvador LaRocca's face-referencing Hollywood actors. You cannot deny the way that dude draws robots, armor, and tech. And what is that awesome new suit on the last page? Buy this. It was great. Shade, number 8 from DC. 
Surprise, surprise, it's shade time. Again, this was a great issue. This issue, though, was especially good. It was a times past one shot drawn by Jill Thompson. Wonderful. Lover, lover. If you're not reading this book, shame on you, buy it. Hardcore number one from Image slash Opcow. This was originally solicited as a pilot season titled Two Years Ago, written by Robert Kirkman with art by Mark Silvestri. It showed up this Wednesday, drawn by Brian Steelfreeze, and it looked awesome. This has a Silvestri cover. There's a story about a new tech that allows an assassin to take over anybody to carry out difficult hits in the ultimate disguise. I loved this. Brian Steelfreeze was amazing. I forgot how good that guy is. If we ever see issue two, I'll be shocked because issue one took two years to come out. If you can find this one, buy it. And there was no guarantee that there would ever be a second one because it was pilot season. It's true. DC Comics presents number nine. It's a good week for James Robinson. This is the introduction of Vandal Savage into the new 52, and it was so good. And you get to talk about your boyfriend twice. I know. It's like a Silence of the Lambs comic where Vandal Savage is all locked up and his daughter has to come get his help to solve a murder. It was really good. Great art by Bernard Chang. I'm giving it a buy it. Avengers number 26 from Marvel. There is really cool stuff going on here in this AVX tie-in, but it is really hard for me to care or even get invested when the art is this bad. I love Walt Simonson. He's one of my art heroes, but he needs to stop. This is bad looking. I can only give this a skimming. Mondo, number two from Image. This is more concentrated weirdness from Ted McKeever. <laughs> Indeed. It is so impossible to recommend this book, but I have to say I really enjoyed reading it. It's got beautiful art. It's just too weird for words. I think the only thing I can give it is a skim it, but definitely give it a skim. Glory, 26 from Image. Uh, writer Joe Keating and artist Ross Campbell continue to put out an amazing comic every month. I just caught up on the last two issues before reading this one, and I still love it. Glory is brutal. She is sexy. She is interesting. And what Wonder Woman wishes she could be? Buy this comic. It's fantastic. AVX versus number two. I still, from Marvel, I still say this is one of the worst titles ever. It is one of the worst titles ever. <laughs> Unfortunately, this issue was not as much fun as the first. Oh, I haven't read it yet. Really? Yeah, well, it's different creators. Steve McNiven writes his own story, <laughs> and it's Captain America versus Gambit. Yeah. Thumbs okay. down. And then Colossus versus Spider-Man. And, uh, I don't know. I wasn't that into it. I'm giving it a skim it. Beautiful art, though. Justice League number 9 from DC. If there's one thing Jeff Johns should be able to nail, it's writing a scary bad guy. And there's a real solid intro to Graves, the new DC nemesis. And so far, I kind of dig him. They still need to work on some of the team's personalities. There's a nice moment with Barry and Hal. I'd call this an improvement on what we've had. Uh, the Shazam backup continues to be great. And when it's finished, I think it'll be safe to say Shazam will be the most fleshed out character in the DC relaunch. Still only giving us a skimmit. I have to disagree because I thought he John did a good job putting in a lot of character beats for each character. They had little flashbacks. I'm about saying their it history. was better. I'm, I'm saying giving it, was it better. a buy it. I thought it was a market improvement. Catwoman number nine, DC. This was a Night of the Owls tie-in. I am so behind on Catwoman, but I just jumped in with both feet. And it was good. I mean, I don't know everything that's going on. There's a character I have never heard of before. But it was a really moving story about Catwoman versus her talent. I really loved it. I'm giving it a buy it. Catwoman is still excellent, and Judd Winnick is the most underappreciated writer at DC right now. Yeah. That guy's killing it on this book. Buy it for me also. Crack! That is your ludicrous speed round, and crack is the sound of Steve Trevor's fingers breaking, as seen in this week's Justice League number nine. Steve on, had a bad week. On both hands. On both hands. <laughs> 
Now join us in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Hot Stuff the Little Devil and Windy the Good Little Witch are all grown up and putting on what we'll call it an intimate performance art piece, fueled by one of our manservant Wong's particularly powerful love potions. I think it was this Lithuanian booze. Joe, what future comic secrets has the fury of Casper's friend's lovemaking mixed with our incantations revealed (laughs) to you? I have chosen Batman Incorporated number one from DC Comics. This is... Grant Morrison, I assume, being forced to make Batman Incorporated <laughs> fit into the new DC continuity. Pounding a square peg into a round hole, perhaps. And I I just have to know, I have to know how it all fits together. And beyond that, I am very excited to read it. Chris Burnham on the art. Oh yeah, I'll take more of Batman Inc., but they've got some splaining to do. <laughs> yes, they do. Matt, I don't want to hear any more about what you thought of the lovemaking. <laughs> What is your pick? Thank you. Sorry. I'm looking at Mind Management, number one, from Dark Horse, written and drawn by Matt Kint, the one of the brains behind Sweet Tooth from Vertigo. Love this guy, and I love his weird, creepy art style. They're calling this Akira meets Heart of Darkness by way of 100 bullets. If that doesn't sell you weird on a comic book, I don't know what will. Weird. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Of course, we want to know what you nerds are reading, so be sure and hit us up on our Facebook or Twitter and let us know. The comic pushers are back, y'all, and they know the streets is a shortstop. Either you slinging comic book rock or you got a wicked jump shot. It's time for me and my homie in arms, MC Mad Bum, to drop some comic product on one lucky junkie. This week, a lazy-eyed, wrist-scratching tweaker named Anthony asks, Dear Comic Pushers, <laughs> Invincible and Ultimate Spider-Man are some of my favorite books because they tell a giant story by one writer with one vision with complete control of the characters. Can you recommend any other books like this? Yes. You, you bet we can, Joe. Well... I've mentioned it before, I mention it every chance I get, but as always, my number one pick for something just like this would be Starman, written from start to finish by James Robinson. It is my favorite comic book series of all time. It's a story all about a man learning how to become a hero and how to embrace his father's legacy and... Uh, it's just so beautiful and well told. Very unique in the sense that they really let James Robinson do whatever he wanted yes. to within the DC universe it's, with this character. It's a, got strong ties to DC's Golden Age, but you don't need to know anything about it. You just need to sit down and and let the story wash over you. It is a superhero comic for people who don't care about superheroes. Yeah. As for a non-superhero pick, I would suggest Transmetropolitan by Warren Ellis. That's an excellent choice. Ah, man. As far as, like, off-the-beaten-path kind of mature reader stuff goes, they don't get any better. I mean, Why the Last Man gets a lot of love, and and certainly Transmetropolitan is very well respected but i think people don't talk about it as much as they used one to. one of the smartest series ever written too it, i mean it is a biting look at entertainment journalism the future of america it was yeah excellent. religion it's set in set in the far future and not only is it written by a singular writer but it's drawn by a singular artist yeah. Derek robertson 
Matt, what about you? I am going to suggest you Stan Sakai's Usagi Yojimbo. This book has been running for more than 20 years now, and it is amazing. It is the adventures of the samurai rabbit, and it's written and drawn in this very true-to-form black-and-white Japanese samurai adventure. I bought the first 10 years hardcover that Fantagraphics put out. This would have been... Late last year, I believe, the fall of last year, I had never read Yusagi Yojimbo before. I knew it was excellent. I see him up for Eisner Awards every year. I burned through the first 10 years. It is wonderful stuff. I highly recommend it. I would also recommend, and I don't think it's in print right now, if you can find it, Grant Morrison's Aztec. This was a DC Oh, no, they book. just, yeah, no, they recently printed a complete edition. It was wonderful. Yes. This was Grant Morrison. It's short. It was, yeah, this was basically him trying out for the Justice League job. Yeah. He invented a hero that was dropped into the Justice League with these tech powers. I'm not going to go into any of the twists behind it because it has a huge twist in the end. Right. But it was so much fun. This was some of Grant Morrison's like best superhero stuff he has ever written. And it, it highly tie- recommend it. It ties into his run on JLA that he was doing at the time. Which is also worth reading. Yes. Really, really strong run on JLA. Hope these suggestions can cool the fire in your mind and settle the bugs under your skin, Tony. And if you need a comic reading suggestion, send us a list of what you're into and the comic pushers will make an addict of you. Joe Patrick, before we finish up here today, why don't you read us one more tweet? At the 11th hour, Roderick Ruth did not let us down. Excellent work, Roderick, sir. His tweet asks, what's your favorite animated superhero show? Batman the Animated Series is my top, but the X-Men both series could edge it in. I'm going to go with currently running. We could talk about old ones forever. Currently running right now, I don't think it gets better than the Young Justice cartoon. It is so solid. It's true. Uh, it is so... You know what? Watching it is making me real. We talked about this earlier this week. It is making me realize how much I miss the old DCU and how much I wish they would have reset it like this. Ironically, it's rich with continuity that no longer applies. Yeah. And had they just hit the ground running like this and just like renumbered and relaunched a DCU with this setup with like the Justice League is up and running. Here's these characters. The team titans are running around in the background doing stuff it would be so much better it is excellent uh fans of our twitter feed will know that i spent a good chunk of last weekend watching every episode of young justice that has ever aired and it is amazing it's it's I can't I would, believe it's as good as it is. I would highly suggest the new Thundercats, too. Yeah? That new Thundercats series is fantastic. They fleshed out the characters. They've given them background. They fleshed out their world, their society, like, why they are who they are, the problems with, like, the monarchy that was ruling the planet and the lower classes rising up against them. It is really interesting, kind of heady, fun stuff. Now... I hear good things about the Avengers cartoon as well, though I am not caught up on that. Earth's Mightiest was a lot of fun. But it's a good show. It is definitely a good show. And now, as far as classic series, yeah, Batman the Animated is my number one. Oh, you can't touch it. But I do kind of view, and this is cheating, I know, that the whole Bruce Tim DC arc from Batman to Superman to Justice League Unlimited as like one one ten year oh, yeah. <laughs> animated experience. And yeah, it's just it's wonderful. Thanks a lot for the question, Roderick. Sort of sort of break it break it down like this. 
That is it for the Two-Headed Nerd this week. We are taking next week off because Dainty Joe Patrick is getting married, folks. It might actually be two weeks. might actually be two weeks. Nah, we'll figure it out. Don't worry. I'll be on my honeymoon. Nah, we'll figure something out. But we will be back, meaning you should subscribe to the show on iTunes, where your star ratings and short reviews are the only thing that make us feel like real men. Huge thanks to all of our donors, and if you'd like to keep us in mail-order subscriptions to DC Comics we didn't want, you can make your donation in any amount by clicking our donate button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, where you can send us your love-slash-hate mail or your comic that you made that you want us to review. We do that. Send us stuff, guys. And keep your THN mascot art coming for the official THN mascot contest. If that's not enough for you, head over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer the question of the week. This week's query, what is your favorite animated comic book adaptation and what animated comic book adaptation would you like to see that hasn't been made yet? Ooh, good one. Huh? Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Jonathan Hickman, who might be the smartest working writer in comics today, but as he showed us in this week's Avengers vs. X-Men number 4, he has no friggin' idea where polar bears live. (laughs) Word to you, John, and for your info buddy polar bears live in the arctic not the antarctic all the way over on the other side of the earth until next time true believers this is the two-headed nerd signing off can i get some more of this booze absolutely